Greetings, I'm Will Tompkins, and this is the Narrow Way Podcast. This series of episodes is our 17-week study of John Bunyan's timeless book, The Pilgrim's Progress, edited by C.J. Lovick. This edition is available on Amazon in both paper and on the Kindle e-reader. It is also available on the Crossway Books website. Links to both are available in the description text of the first episode of this series. In this episode, we'll be discussing chapter 12 in our source text, Faith Under Attack. But first, a moment of prayer. Father God, we feel your presence here with us, and we are ever grateful. As we come together now, calm our hearts, open our ears, and prepare us to receive your truth. And Father, Let not our time together be corrupted by worldly concerns. Allow your truth, Father God, to shape our lives in ways we cannot now imagine, ways that bring you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Now recall that when we last left our pilgrims, Christian and hopeful, they were on the hill called Clear, anxiously attempting to use the shepherd's telescope, the perspective glass, which in Bunyan's vision is faith. But because they remembered something the shepherds had shown them earlier, they trembled and were unable to hold the glass steadily. Now, what our pilgrims remembered, and the reason they trembled, was their act of transgression in leaving the way by passing over the stile to Bypath Meadow. This displayed a weakened faith. And so as our pilgrims prepared to depart, the shepherds gave them four things. A map of the way. Warnings to stay away from the flatterer. An admonition not to sleep on the enchanted ground. And four, they wished them Godspeed, which is a sincere prayer for a successful or safe journey. Now, a key spiritual truth is learned here on the delectable mountains with the shepherds, and that is this. We must look steadfastly to Christ and the promises of the gospel. Amen. Now, on to the overview of today's episode, chapter 12, Faith Under Attack. In this episode, we will meet ignorance from the country of deceit, turn away from the town of apostasy, Little Faith from the town of Sincere, the three evil brothers, Faint Heart, Mistrust and Guilt, and Great Grace, who dwells in the city of Good Confidence. Note the names of the three evil brothers, and that they're described as sturdy rogues in the text, and also take note of how easily they were able to overcome a pilgrim of little faith. This is why it is ever incumbent upon us, loved ones, to strengthen our own faith through prayer and the reading of his living word 
and be ever watchful of any evil that may be lurking in our own hearts. Walking the narrow way is hard. It is difficult, it is challenging, and it is dangerous. And as such, it is best to travel in a convoy, beseeching the Lord himself to travel with us. But no matter the ordeal, we can stand with assurance on the Lord's promises that at the end of the journey, it will have been worth whatever the cost. Amen. Now we meet ignorance from the country of conceit, and we learn that from this country there is a twisting but pleasant green lane that joined the way, thus bypassing the narrow gate. When our pilgrim meets up with ignorance, he inquires of his destination. Ignorance says he's going to the city. Christian tells him that because he did not enter through the narrow gate, he will be accused of being a robber and a thief and will be denied entrance on the day of reckoning. John 10, 1, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Ignorance takes offense and tells them all should be content to follow the religion of one's own country. Essentially, he tells Christian to mind his own business. And at this, our pilgrims decide that such conversation is not fruitful, and they go on without him. Now let's take a closer look at this fellow we call ignorance. He believes that he can in some way contribute to his own righteousness before God. Jesus calls such men thieves and robbers. Bunyan refers to ignorance and those like him, simple and sloth, formalist, mistrust and buy-ins, to name but a few, as false professors. Ignorance is unconcerned with eternity and knows little, if anything, about heaven or hell. He represents someone who is ignorant of the true gospel, that is, salvation by grace through faith in Christ Jesus alone. Amen. His fatal deficiency is resting his confidence in himself, in his own work. O foolish man, he truly believes that he is a good person. After all, he's tried to live a good life. He goes to church and knows what the Bible says. He knows the liturgy and sings the hymns. He wants to go to heaven. He believes that hell is for bad people and not good people like him. His pride and confidence in himself have blinded him to his true need for grace and mercy. Ignorance is resting in a false hope, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. Galatians 2.16 In God's assessment, he is not a good person. On the day of judgment, ignorance will be found to be a thief and a robber and will not gain entrance to the city. Remember in John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, loved ones, what so many today refuse to believe or accept is this. No one, no one will enter the celestial city, that is, enter into the joy of God's presence in heaven without coming to Christ as both Lord and Savior and receiving the grace, mercy, and righteousness that only He can provide. Amen. Proverbs twenty-six, twelve. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? 
There is more hope for a fool than for him. Amen. Next, we learn of the destruction of one Mr. Turnaway, who is from the town of apostasy, which is the abandonment or renunciation of a religious or political belief. As our pilgrims, Christian and hopeful, enter a dark lane, they see a man who had been bound by seven demons using seven strong cords. These demons were carrying him back to the door on the side of the mountain, known as the byway to hell, shown to them by the shepherds. And you might also remember that they first viewed this door from the overlook of the place called the Hill of Lucre, on which was located the silver mine of one Mr. Demas. Now our pilgrims recognize this man being carried away as being Mr. Turnaway from the town of Apostasy. And on his back was written, quote, wanton professor and damnable apostate, unquote. This is the person who has renounced a religious belief that they once held. So what does turn away represent? Well, he represents those who have fallen away from the faith. Though they once professed to be followers of our Lord Christ Jesus, they have since turned away. They have grown careless and attempt to manage their sin. They have arrived at a point where it no longer disturbs them. They have grown comfortable in this world and no longer heed the Spirit. They no longer fear God and are unaffected, indeed unrestrained, by His Holy Word. Those who once professed faith in Christ, who turn away from God and His Word, are in danger of apostasy, and the writer of Hebrews warns us of the fearful consequences of apostasy. Hebrews 6, 4-6, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God, and put him to an open shame. Amen. Let's turn now to Little Faith from the town of Sincere. Little Faith is actually the main and pivotal character in this chapter. And the story moves along like this. Remembering something he was told, Christian tells Hopeful about a man named Little Faith from the town of Sincere. And so their conversation begins. Christian says, He is known as a good man, and that he was on the pilgrimage just like he and Hopeful were. Now it came to pass that Little Faith, while on his pilgrimage, came to a crossing along the way called Dead Man's Lane, which joins the highway from Broadway Gate, at which point he decides to sit and rest. And by the way, it's called Dead Man's Lane because of all the murders that occur there. In hindsight, it was a very dangerous place to rest, let alone to fall asleep. It represents here a temptation to sin, a place of potential peril. Psalm 1-6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And Broadway Gate? Well, Matthew 7-13-14 answers that. 
Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. But alas, he falls asleep close to that intersection, here representing a sin. And later, as he awakens from his nap, he is accosted and robbed by the likes of faint heart, who attacked his strength and courage, and mistrust, who undermined his trust and confidence, and guilt, who bludgeoned his peace and contentment. These three evil brothers, miserable cowards all, attack those who are unable to defend themselves. They spew lies from Satan that you are weak and ineffective, that you are cowardly and filled with unbelief. And as they keep attacking you with these lies, you may soon begin to believe they are true. Notice, however, that just like every other coward, they don't hang around the scene of their crime very long, for they are ever afraid of their arch enemy, great grace, from the town of good conscience a valiant warrior for Christ. So these three evil brothers steal all of little Faith's money. So now he barely has enough to complete his journey. But remember, they stole his coin purse, not his treasure, referred to in the book as his jewels. And they didn't steal them because they were hidden. The coin purse represents our spiritual comfort and peace of mind in this life. As a result, he was overcome with grief and a lack of confidence which diminished his hope. However, the jewels, his treasure, represent our heavenly reward kept safe with Christ. 1 Peter 4.18 Now if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? And in Ephesians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In Cheever's commentary, we read, There are a great many little faiths in our pilgrimage, and though they do not all sleep in dead man's lane, they yet go doubting and trembling through life. Faint heart, mistrust, and guilt convince them that their faith in Christ is not strong enough to triumph over these enemies and make them flee. So they go burdened with sin and literally mourning after Christ rather than believing in him. So, as he continues along the way, he is forced to beg for food, but he did not sell his jewels, which represent his faithfulness in God's promises, such as salvation for those who believe by faith and obey God's holy word. That little faith did not sell his jewels was a surprise to Hopeful. Why? Because he did not understand that in the land where they were stolen, which is this world, his jewels had no value. In other words, God's spiritual gifts have no value to the sinners of this world, but they are of immeasurable value in that world which is to come. Indeed, they are redeemable only at the celestial city. Cheever further comments on the spending money and the jewels. Little faith spending money, that is, almost all the present comfort of a hope in Christ with those 
foretastes of heaven, which are the earnest of the Spirit, was taken from him by these desperate robbers. But his costly jewels they did not find, or else did not value them, as they were good only at the city. That is, these robbers' faint heart, mistrust, and guilt did not take away those graces of the Spirit by which little faith's soul was really united to Christ, though they did steal from him his own present evidences, so that he went on distressed and troubled in his pilgrimage and a beggar to the day of his death. So, loved ones, strengthen thy faith, steel yourself against the evil of this world, and thus prepare yourself for the times these evil robbers, faint heart, mistrust, and guilt might pay you a visit. And I need not remind us of our obligation to the little faiths in our lives. God gave us two hands, loved ones, one for the sword and one to lift up or steady those of little faith. Now on this subject, there was much discussion between our two brothers, Pilgrim and Hopeful, some of it quite intense. Hopeful was of the mind that if he had been in little faith's shoes, he would not have given up so easily. But Christian told him to beware of self-confidence, and that perhaps he should step back a bit before that better-than-thou attitude gets him in trouble. As Cheever points out, it was a very different thing to hear of these villains who attack little faith than to be attacked by them oneself. Little Faith's mind was fixed on spiritual matters, not temporal things. From Cheevers we read, Even though his faith was weak, it was a real faith, for he had no trust in his own merits at all, and it is better to have little faith, even with the lack of comfort and joy, than to have none at all. Little Faith is following Christ. He is on the pilgrimage, but he is, unlike Christian, woefully short on courage, confidence even more so, and he fails to be comforted in the Lord. And as another commenter points out, Peter once thought he would never give up. He was ready to go to prison, even to death. But when these grim robbers came upon him, quote, though some do say that he is the prince of apostles, they handled him so that they made him at last afraid of a sorry girl. Jesus said to Peter, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so, loved ones, there is no help, trust, strength, or safety for us, but in Christ, in his great grace in us, upon us, and for us. Great grace must be our champion as he was little faiths, or it is all over for us. And now from Bradley we read, From the ineffectiveness of the church today, we can see how often these same rogues must be attacking careless, weak believers. When difficult circumstances come, Mr. Faint Heart kidnaps many believers, causing them to be discouraged and fearful. Mr. Mistrust holds hostage even more Christians, trembling with doubts and lack of faith. And Mr. Guilt 
paralyzes pilgrims who continue to condemn themselves for past sins, even though God, through Christ, has forgiven them. For little faiths, the efforts made to escape these rogues are feeble because of lack of knowledge and or doubt of the scriptures. Listen, loved ones, Paul admonishes us in 1 Corinthians 16.13 to be ever watchful. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, he says. And in Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In the power of his might. And in Ephesians 6.10.18, Paul further demands of us to take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Which means, loved ones, that when we've done all we think we can do, when we have nothing left to give, that we are to look to him for the strength to continue to stand against evil. Never give up, for the view of the city is just ahead if you would just look through the glass with the right perspective. Amen. You may have noticed by now that Pilgrim's Progress contains several contrasts, opposites, if you will. For example, there are the true believers, those whose conversion has remained steadfast. And then there are the pretenders, those whose lives bear no fruit, for they are hypocrites and gospel cheats, Included in this group are formalist and hypocrisy and buy-ins, turn-away, ignorance, not to mention simple sloth and presumption. Amongst the true believers, we have Christian, of course, and his two companions, faithful and hopeful, and then little faith. Yes, even little faith, for even though his faith is little, it is nonetheless true. And then there is this. He came from the city of destruction and is on his way to the celestial city. He received good advice from evangelists and bad advice from worldly wise men. And then there is great grace from the city of good confidence, who lies in direct opposition to the cowards, faint heart, mistrust, and guilt, whom we met earlier. Great grace is a mighty warrior of God, one of the king's champions, who wears the full armor of God, and thus he also lies in opposition to Apollyon. Ephesians 6, 10, 18. Great grace knows his might is from the Lord, and he lives to bring him both glory and honor. Psalm 115, 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Great grace is courageous and keen-eyed, able to wield the sword of the Spirit with uncanny ability. Here he represents a faithful pastor or teacher or other fervent, strong-in-the-faith believer. Great grace is one to whom weaker pilgrims turn in time of need. He is a master at spiritual warfare. Yet he is not without his own battle scars. Indeed, even he has despaired of life when in combat with these rogues, just as did David and Peter. He is the kind of faithful servant that pilgrims such as little faith must lean upon and thus be enabled to finish the race. And so, even though we are also warriors for Christ, 
Let us never presume our enemy lesser than we, but instead remain vigilant at all times, lest we be brought to our knees in suffering and pain. And if you are one upon whom others lean, remember this, you have no room to boast, for we are all rescued by grace. Amen. Well, loved ones, as we draw to a close, we see that Christian and Hopeful have solved the theological problem of little faith, and they have tested the testimony of ignorance. Nevertheless, Hopeful has bouts with smugness, while Christian becomes testy and a little arrogant in his treatment of his brother, all of which is but another lesson in brotherly love and fellowship along the narrow way to the city. Let us pray. Humbled are we, Father, for the truth you have shared with us here. Let us be ever mindful of your promises as well as our obligations, Father God. And may we live our lives in harmony with the true gospel. May we be ever ready to turn a sinner from the error of their way. May our faith be strengthened by the constant intervention of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. And may we humbly make ourselves available to others as warriors in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. In our next episode, loved ones, we'll discuss chapter 13, Flattering Enemies and Renewed Trust. Until then, may the Comforter be with you always to guide you in the way that leads to the city. <laughs>